0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Savvy Mama podcast. My name's Renee Verco a financial advisor, the founder at Money Mode and this initiative, the Savvy Mama and a mum of two. Now, just a little reminder that the Savvy Mama podcast exists purely for educational purposes and the discussions we share are general in nature and do not consider your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, it's really important that before you act on any of the information that you consider its appropriateness to your situation and seek independent financial advice. Today on the show, we are talking superannuation and I've invited in Pauline Taylor, who is a finance and economics consultant, a well-known advocate for women's financial literacy and superannuation policy here in Australia, and an active member of several women's support groups. Pauline is seriously concerned about the significant gender gap in superannuation in Australia. She is keen to encourage women, just as I am, to take more interest in their super, to let them know that superannuation does not have to be dull and boring, that you can be super smart by understanding the system and making it work for you and not seeing it as a chore or something to worry about later on, but seeing it as a pathway to financial independence. Pauline has also recently authored a book, called How to Be a Super Smart Woman, and we'll have details about that at the end of the episode. I'm really looking forward to today's chat with Pauline. It's not often that you come across somebody so passionate about this topic. Pauline, thank you so much for joining us today on the Savvy Mama podcast. Good to be with you. Now, I thought we'd kick off with, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your journey to where you are. You're a very passionate advocate for women and their superannuation. So if you could tell us a little bit about your story and background.
1: well, I've been involved with women's finance programs for about 20 years now. My background is I'm an economist by training and uh, spent many years working in uh, the finance industry and business consulting and i worked in government. And it was when I was with the Victorian Government the Office of Small Business that We set up really, I think, one of the first programs for women running their own businesses because we were finding this was 20 years ago mm. that women were having difficulty accessing finance from the banks. There was a lot of discrimination. Yeah, right. They might have to take their brother or husband along with them to get a loan. Oh, but equally, we found that um, the women weren't necessarily having the right information to present to a financier who are very much figured on numbers and they want to know your cost structures, your cash flow. And so we ran some workshops to sort of give them the basics in business finance, so that they'd be able to have a better chance of, of getting a loan and really enjoyed um, those workshops and, and working with women and um, I sort of morphed, morphed from um, business finance into personal finance because around this time I was finding um, uh, I was needing to build up my super because I am the generation where we didn't have the advantage of the compulsory super when we were young so I had to build it up later in life and so I decided to go along and do a graduate diploma in financial planning because I also thought well you know I like working with women in finance perhaps I'll be a financial planner and as I was doing this I was learning more about superannuation and then that's when I discovered this horrific gap that how how much less uh, women had in superannuation So I saw a need to um, become active about this and so I started doing submissions to the government. I was invited to speak to various groups about this and um, I started doing some seminars for super funds and for -for not-for-profit groups to try and raise awareness amongst women that the superannuation system is very much biased against them and they can't rely on it to help them. But I was finding that the women that were coming along to these seminars were often in their 50s and they'd sort of suddenly become aware, oh, I need to do something about my super. But then uh, it becomes more difficult to put money into it as you get older. There are limits on contribution. So, so many of them were saying, oh, look, it's only I thought about this when I was younger. And so it, it sort of grew for that. I, I never went into financial planning. I finished up going more into financial education, but particularly for women And more and more there was this emphasis on superannuation because I found there was such a low level of understanding um, basically of how the system works but even more seriously about the fact that it discriminates against women.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that because some of the facts around women and their super are absolutely staggering. One of the stats with women and super, women currently retire with. 47% less superannuation than men, which is just, you know, I think we anecdotally know that, you know, there is that issue there between women's balances and men's balances. But to hear that the average is 47% is just staggering. So do you just want to share with us some of your learnings around why there is such a big gap?
1: The way our system works, because it was designed, I mean, it never, it was never intentional to discriminate against women. It, it came out of the union movement, really. And, um, industry funds were very male dominated. And it was based on a system where a person would work their whole working life, you know, starting work at the age of 18 and staying in the workforce continuously. And initially it was only 3% of salary going into super. But if you put continually, an amount of money into super, over a working life from the age 18 through to 65, then you can accumulate uh, a reasonable amount of superannuation. What wasn't thought of back then was that women have these different working lives where far more inclined to work part-time. Australian women actually work part-time more than women in other developed countries and that's connected with our childcare system Mm. and that's that's a different um, issue again but um, so working part-time taking time out of the workforce to have children and also the fact that women earn less than men, they tend to move into the more caring occupations nursing, teaching, childcare, aged care, all those occupations earn less than men and the way our system works, is that the superannuation guarantee of nine and a half percent on a low salary, you you get nothing. So, So women's balances from the age of 35 start getting really significantly lower than men because of this time out of the the workforce or working part-time. But on top of that, a lot of people don't realise that the impact of our taxation system has significant implications for superannuation. And it might shock you, Renee, to learn that um, two-thirds of superannuation tax concessions go to men Mm. and only one-third to women. Now, that is grossly unfair and people say, well, why aren't women marching in the street about this? Well, because a lot of them, first of all, don't realise it and secondly, a lot of them haven't got time for marching in the street anyway. But (laughs) the reason for it, superannuation is taxed at a flat rate at 15%. So if you're on one of the higher tax rates of 37% or more and you earn a a higher salary, there's a much, much greater incentive to put extra amounts into superannuation. And who are on the higher tax rates and higher incomes, it's more likely to be men. Mm-hmm. So there has been considerable incentives for men to put huge amounts into super and this is what's happened and this is why we've got this gross inequity mm-hmm. because there's the incentive, there's no incentive at all no, for I- people on the lower Incomes to put money aside for super but if you've got a higher income you can get a considerable tax break
0: The other thing that I find, you know, I've got young children. I know a lot of the listeners have young children and we go back to work part-time but also because, you know, our workplaces aren't, some of them are, but not overly accommodating for part-time work. So a lot of us step out and, you know, start up their own businesses and, of course, you know, it's not compulsory to pay superannuation if you are self-employed. So I find that a huge concern when I, I do financial planning work with, People in that category too, and because there's so many other competing priorities, yeah, putting your money into super that you think I'll worry about that at a later date. And as you say, the earlier you start, the better. Yes, that's right. So, perhaps let's talk about some of these strategies specifically that women can start to think about in regards to their super.
1: Yes, well, I think to start off, it's important for women to realize how superannuation is a family asset. Now, a lot of women don't sort of think about it as an asset, particularly because, oh, you can't access it now, it's so far in the future. But it is a family asset that's just as important as your family home. And if you don't have a home, it's probably a most important asset. Mm. And just as you would maintain your home, make sure that the roof's not leaking and look after it, you need to do the same with his superannuation to recognise that it's an asset. And I think it's a good way to start a balance sheet. This might be my background in, in business no, finance. No, that's sort absolutely yeah. here. Yeah, of what you own and what you owe. And so when you list what you own, you know, your house, your car, your, your bank account, your caravan, superannuation goes in that list And a lot of women don't sort of think, oh, you know, do I put that in the list? And then when they put it in there, they can sometimes get a pleasant surprise because Mm. Although we've had super funds that have been adversely affected by the share market recently, prior to COVID, super funds were growing quite well. Yeah. And so, when we can suddenly see, oh, you know, there's this super that they can find some lost super, they might be able to consolidate their super. So suddenly think, oh, well, perhaps I'm better off than I thought it was. Mm. And when you're doing this sort of family balance sheet, it's important to to know your partner's super, so not just your superannuation to list your partners and so to sort of share superannuation together and as a family asset and have strategies that you'd work on together. So, for example, there was a young woman who came to one of my seminars and um, she'd made a decision to stay out of the workforce until her youngest child was at school. So she hadn't been contributing anything to her superannuation and she noticed that her balance was going down and she looked at it and she saw that this was because of the insurance premium and she thought to herself well should I have this insurance she was aware that her husband she knew about his super and where that was and how much he had and said well he's got super so maybe as a family I don't need it as well. And certainly if she had um, income protection insurance, if she had that and she doesn't have an income to protect, it makes sense to drop that one so she wouldn't have those premiums. Mm-hmm. But with her um, death and disability insurance, I mean, if anything was to happen to her, although she's not earning an income, she's running that household, uh, raising the children, keeping the, the house going. If anything happened to her, um, then her husband would have considerable expenses and his insurance in his super only covers his death and disability, yeah. not hers. Yeah. So in a situation like that, it would probably make sense not for her to drop her super, but to look at other other ways. So some other thoughts that we discussed was that perhaps he could put some money into her superannuation to help cover these premiums so her super fund wasn't going backwards. Yeah. And you can get tax advantages from putting money into your partner's. There's two ways of doing this. You can do what's called contribution splitting um, or you can get a rebate for putting money into your spouse's super account. So it depends on your tax situation and your income as to what suits best. But these are a couple of ways that a partner can stop um, the non-working partner's super from eroding but also get a tax advantage for himself. Another thing a woman in that situation could think of is that um, just Getting a, a little job, and even perhaps setting up a website at home or a, a part-time job, uh, which would enable her to get the superannuation co-contribution. So, this is sort of means-tested, but the government gives fifty cents in the dollar up to five hundred dollars as amount you've put into your super, and that could help cover the insurance premium. So she's she's sort of not going backwards. So these are quite a few. strategies that you can think of together with your partner. It does make a lot of sense too to have more equal balances. One of the changes that came to super to try and address this great gap and they put a a limit on how much a um, tax-free super pension fund could have of $1.6 So it, it makes far more sense for couples to sort of work on having equal balances. So that when one partner can get a tax advantage from that and the other one doesn't sort of risk losing insurance they were having a superannuation balance that's getting so low that, that it's losing because of charges that are coming out of it.
0: Mm. You know, that's a lot of work that, you know, I focus on with people too and there is a lot of strategies that you can work on with people to boost their super and to even up those balances. And I find, yes. yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of the co-contribution that, that you mentioned about all the tax rebate. And it's, you know, a couple of little things are easy money and easy wins to boost your super up.
1: Another reason why it's important to know how much super your partner's got, this is important if you do go through a divorce or separation. The family court regards superannuation, the same as property, it's it's an asset. And so if a couple's splitting, the family court has a formula for splitting that superannuation Mm. it's not just a matter of adding up two balances and dividing by two the family court recognizes that in some situations one partner might be putting in a lot more time um, and the other's putting in more money but they sort of have a formula to sort of work that out fairly so that the split is done in a fair way but one of the problems with this they're finding that Women who have been through uh, who are victims of domestic violence and financial abuse is a form of domestic violence—if mm. in the case of say a husband and father who's hiding his assets and and the costs for the family court and for lawyers to sort of track down superannuation that's being hidden, the legal costs are so great that by the time the superannuation is is found, there's virtually nothing left after all the costs. So. What's happening at the moment is that the um, Women's Legal Centre is is trying to get the government to get the tax office to provide the family court with this information about superannuation because from the super funds' point of view, if you know where your partner's super is and you know how much there is and you're going through a divorce, you've at least got an idea. Well, I know he's got a lot of super. I know where it is, so I'll spend all that money on getting lawyers to, to track it down and get it, but... If you don't know how much there is, you might be in a situation where it's just not worth the legal cost. Mm. So um, they're trying to make that that whole system simpler, but it helps so much if you know where that is Mm. and roughly how much there is. So that's another reason why you do need to, to sort of share information with partners and also you want to avoid getting nasty shots you also got to realise if you've got more super than your partner, you can lose your super as well. Yeah.
0: I mean, that is frightening. And I think one of your, your top tips, treating it as a family asset, I love that notion because it's so important and you know big part of this whole podcast series is to get the money conversation out on the table and to you know empower yes. women and mothers and and whatever to you know to be able to have that money conversation and don't forget super off the list and it's very very important that you treat it as the family's asset
1: yes and that you have complementary strategies mm. and so you know you share the information and and it's important to do this early on too But equally, if a partner, if you do start asking questions and a partner isn't giving you any information, that can be a trigger and that can be the start of financial abuse. So that's something, you know, you you need to treat it carefully and if you can start just early on in your relationship to have these conversations... And it it might be better rather than just asking questions out of the blue to say, well, look, let's have a, every month or so, let's have a conversation about our finances, you know, Thursday night and third Thursday of the month or something. We'll we'll sit down with our finances and put them together and and work out strategies together. Mm. So so the allocated time is often better than just sort of suddenly talking out of the blue because people can find that confronting.
0: Absolutely. And I, I find too, it is quite natural in, you know, relationships that one partner will take the lead on, you know, certainly in, in my relationship, I do because I've got the finance background, yeah. I sort of manage all the finances, but it's a matter of doesn't mean you both have to do all the work, but it's just bringing the other partner into the conversation. So they're aware of where things are at and, you know, how you're tracking towards your goals and how you're managing things and um, yeah, yeah. getting on the same page and being able to have that conversation.
1: And with super too, to sort of be sharing um, your information, like if you're in different funds, you can compare your fees. I mean, you need to sort of check your super fairly regularly, as I said earlier. Am I in the right investment option? Um, and, and you can sort of look at each other. Well, what return did you get this year? What, what fees are you paying? And so... That gives you a a bit of an idea, you know, you can always change your super fund if you're not happy with it. And if you find, oh, my partner's in a much better fund than me, it might be that that you change into that fund or that you both find that, oh, you know, we talk to friends and what are they paying fees and share information. Because you do have choices. You don't have to stay with the fund that you're in All of the investment option that, that if you put into the uh, default option, which are a balanced ones, if you're under 45, it's sometimes a good idea to go for the high growth option because you've got more time to retire, to sort of recover. So in, in my book, I've actually got chapters for different stages in your life. So, you know, what to do in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s because... As you move through different ages in your life, you need to have different superannuation strategies in relation to what insurance you might have, in relation to what investment option you might choose. As you get older, you should be going more conservative. If you're younger, you should be perhaps in the more more of a growth option because you've got more time for the fair market to come back again if you your fund is going backwards.
0: Yeah. What has astounded me through the last six months that we've been through, you know, younger people under 45 and and much younger wanting to change their investment options from a high growth to a cash and sort of like, oh, if you sell out at the bottom of the market and move to cash, you've locked in all your losses and you're not giving yourself the ability to to partake in the upswing when it happens. And we you know, we can't perfectly time the market. So you need no. need to participate in it for the long term and not be emotional about it. I think that's a really important message. Um And the concern too is that if you know, because
1: a lot of people forget about this super they might sort of switch to cash. Yes. And then forget yep. to, to change it and then sitting there in cash and actually going backwards and yep. And the market's been so volatile, as you said it's come off, but it's also gone back up again. It has. And so if you're not in there with the recovery, you know, you miss out on that and you're sort of going out when it's down and perhaps coming back when it's up and it's the worst strategy to sort of cash out at the bottom and buy in at the top.
0: Yeah, so it's really, really important to always have that long-term view. And the other thing Mm -hmm. too that I find with, you know, with life stages, you know, you still do remain invested through your retirement as well and I think that's the other thing that's probably frightened me at the other end of the life stages and the conversation that's been going on, you know, that I see on social threads and things like that, retirees wanting to go to cash at retirement and that may not be the best strategy either because, you you know, you hopefully you're going to be retired for 20 or 30 years and, yes. you know, it's really important to still have that money invested so it's able to... At least keep up with inflation, if not do better than that. So,
1: well, as I said, as you get older, it's probably a good idea to be more conservative. But the most important thing is just to diversify so that not to have all, all your eggs in one basket. So, if you do go to cash, that you do have some um, diversification into some assets that are able to appreciate in value. And so, you've got that cash buffer, and then you also are diversified into growth assets as well.
0: Now, while we touched on the, um, I guess, the impacts that COVID's had on superannuation, the other alarming thing going on at the moment is this early release of super. And I know we shared some thoughts on this the other day. So, do you just want to share your thoughts as we discussed the other day around this piece of
1: information? Oh, yes. Look, I think this is is very concerning. Having worked in government policy, I think it's very poor policy. It's short-term solutions to a long-term problem and it's quite serious uh, when you think about young people. Uh, look, I, I appreciate that some people really don't have any choice, that they have to pay the rent or whatever, but I would advocate really doing everything you possibly can. Look at all the other options. there have been some other provisions with, with COVID, with rent relief, banks are offering mortgage relief or holidays on payment, some of the utilities. Are offering assistance as well. So, to look at every single avenue before drawing down on super, because this is particularly serious for women in particular. Although the figures show that more men are actually drawing down than women, the problem is that because women have lower balances, they're drawing out a greater proportion. Of their balances, and there are some women that have lost their super altogether. Mm. Uh, you can also, if your balance gets below six thousand, you lose your insurance, or your super fund doesn't provide insurance anymore. So the trouble is because women have got lower balances proportionately, that twenty thousand that you can draw out can be, you know, a significant, very significant proportion of their of their funds. And then the other problem for women, as we were talking about the gap with superannuation before, this really starts with women in their 30s. Now, the figures show of those drawing down, they're more men and they're more younger people than older people. Well, younger people have got more time to build up their super, but not so much with young women, because once they're getting to their 30s, this is the time when they Start doing the things we talked about before, you know, switching to part time, and if they're in a lower paid occupation anyway. So, if they lose that part of their super at that point, then it's even harder for them to um, build it up later than it is for men. So, the impact for women is much, much more serious. So, look, they've estimated that. Say um, a woman in her uh, mid thirties yeah. uh, with a balance of sixty thousand in super. It's been estimated that the impact on her retirement money can be something like forty to sixty thousand. You know, in other words, she loses twice the amount on retirement yep. because yep. she's missing out on the way that that money would have been earning money in her fund. Yeah, so huge. the younger the you are, the greater, the more you lose. So although it's younger people that are drawing down um, which in a way is good in that there's more time but the impact on their retirement is greater than it is for an older person and as I said for women far far more serious because it's when they get in their 30s that this gender gap really starts
0: to take off yeah and I you know I agree with you in that some people have had no choice but to access funds from their super but by all means make sure you look at every other avenue possible before you do that or have a strategy to get that money back in there as soon as possible because if you've taken 10,000 out and you're not able to put 10,000 back in in the next 12 months you know, if you're putting it back in over a couple of years, you're going to need to be putting more than 10000 back in to make up for that lost growth that we talked about. That's um, exactly
1: right. It should be remembered that um, single women in their 50s are the fastest growing group amongst the homeless. So it is so much more important for women to, to keep an eye on, on this than, than it is for men, really.
0: You know, I speak well, I hear from a lot of women in their 50s who have been in these situations that we've talked about throughout today and have no super and it's frightening. And everyone turns around and wishes that they'd done something sooner and, you know, it only has to be small steps and they do make a big difference over the long term. Yes. So I guess, Pauline, from your, you know, your experience and, you know, you've obviously got lots of great strategies and tips and education in your book, but what are perhaps three things, you know, you could give as a bit of a takeaway for people to go and take notice of in regards to their superannuation right now?
1: Well, I was really thrilled at a comment that I got from one of my readers that um, she said about my book, oh, this is just what women need to understand and to take control. And I was really thrilled about that because that was what I was trying to achieve. I was concerned that we have an incredibly complicated system mm. in Australia, and you need to understand how it works so that the, you can then implement these strategies that we were talking about with different types of contribution and, a, and a, you know, a co-contribution or a spouse contribution. If, if you understand how the system works, then you can take control. So that's what I really would like to sort of emphasize as a take-on point, to understand how the system works and to take control of it so that you then think about some strategies that that might improve your situation. I was influenced in, in writing my book too about a young woman who came along to one of my seminars and I was so impressed, she was in her early 30s or even late 20s, but she had something like six children and she was going through this horrific divorce and she had this stuff from her employer and said, Well look, you know, my employer suggested this fund, but she said, I know I have choices and I want to know what fund is best for me. She was determined to take control of her finances. Yep. Yep. And I think that the reason she was so much more onto it than other women is that she's she'd learned at a very early age. That you can't rely on anyone, not on your partner, your partner can turn feral or can die, not on the government because um, increasingly pensions are harder to get and they're relatively smaller, um, not on your employer, your employer's obliged to put superannuation away for you but um, not obliged to make sure it's enough for your requirements. So at the end of the day, it's just you, you know, and It's so important to understand where you are, are you on the right track, and to make a plan for the future.
0: Yeah, I think that's very, very wise advice. And it's been wonderful to have this chat with you today because – The challenge with this podcast I'm always wanting to come at money from different angles and to make it engaging and inspiring and to you know motivate people to take action to exactly as you said take control so it's been wonderful Mm. to have this conversation and for you to be able to share you know your wisdom through your experience we've talked a little bit about the book through the podcast today so if people are interested in looking up your book where can they find it and I guess. You know who would benefit from reading it?
1: Yes, well, it's called How to Be a Super Smart Woman, and it's got strategies, new strategies for superannuation. As I say, it's got strategies for different age groups. So, um, look, I've got some books that um, I got in for a um, a conference that um, which was cancelled because of COVID. So, I can offer these at half price. It, it retails at twenty nine ninety five. Uh, but I can offer these at $15 including postage. So if people want to email, my email address is Taylor at com.
0: We can add that detail into our show notes as well so that people can Great. follow those links through and get in touch with you. But That's a very, very generous offer. Thank you. It is wonderful that you've put out a book around superannuation because I I must say I haven't come across anything specific around superannuation that's been helpful. So it's a great initiative that you've.
1: Well, another um, very good comment I got from a reader recently is she said that it was the best read that she's had because I've I've written it in very simple terms. Yeah, and I had a, an editor, and the reason we had these. Different ages and stages. My editor said to me, oh Pauline, superannuation is such a boring <laughs> topic. How can we get women to take an interest in this? And she said, you know how in women's magazines they have sections on how to wear your hair and, and clothes to wear in your 20s, 30s and 40s and how you have a different look? at different stages. I think we could do that with superannuation. I nearly fell off the chair. But then I thought, well, <laughs> actually that's a great idea. Yeah. Because you do just as you have a different look in your forties than you do in your twenties, you need to have different strategies with your finances in your forties as you do in your twenties. Yeah. So so it does make sense to have that. So that was her idea, and and people have commented on that too.
0: And look, I just want to say too, as we've been going through and you know hearing your story and your passion around you know women and their super and their finance and taking control. And thank you for all the work you've done in in lobbying on our behalf. And let's hope that you know more women do take control and and do take notice. And yeah, it's great work that you're doing. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Verena. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the show. And, um, yeah, we'll pop those links in the show note. And, yeah, thanks very much, Pauline, for your time. Yeah, thanks, Renee, Great to talk. It's been an absolute delight to have somebody with the passion and wisdom of Pauline join us on the show. And I hope she's got you a little bit more excited or at least interested to take some notice of your superannuation strategy. We'll put Pauline's details in the show notes. And thank you once again for tuning in to the Savvy Mama podcast. If you've been enjoying the show, we would love it if you subscribed and left us a review or a rating. Take care, everyone, we'll be back with you soon.